When was the last time you had lunch with a millionaire? Have you ever had lunch with a millionaire? Well, we're going to talk about how you can do that, what the benefits are, and more. Stick around. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, our sponsor today is our friends at Harry's. You hear me talk about them, harrys.com. You can use 48 Days as a code there to get $5 off your purchase. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a few minutes. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Dan, I'm a single mom who's having problems breaking free. Dan, I was fired from my job a year ago, and so I decided to turn my part-time income of teaching yoga into a full-time adventure. I'm, a, I'm going to be a hospice music therapist. Now, there's a mouth, mouthful. Jeez, I can't even talk about it. That is a mouthful. A hospice music therapist. What a cool, clear, niche focus. Dan, I have a daughter who's a senior in high school, but she's having a hard time deciding a major or course of study for college. All right, joining about a million others, and we'll talk about what some good options are in that sense. I'm seeking a non-traditional way to eliminate or significantly reduce the cost of my daughter's expensive tuition. Another education-related question. Well, here's a quotation for the day. comes from T. Harv Ecker who wrote Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Listen to this quotation. You can be a victim or you can be rich, but you can't be both. Every time, I mean every time you blame, justify, or complain, you're slitting your financial throat. Wow, let that sink in a minute. If you or people around you that you hear every single day Blame, justify, or complain. You're slitting your financial throat. Well, that's a clear mental image there for us as we go into today's questions. Well, again, thanks to all of you for the notes that you've been sending in about how to raise creative children. I love the stories coming in. I talked to a gentleman last night who was telling me about a young man who I know well, 16 years old, who when he turned 16, he wrote a check for $34,000 for the Chevy pickup truck that he wanted. His dad actually offered to match his contribution. And the kid says, nah, dad, I'm okay. I'm good. No problem. I got this handled and wrote the check out of his own account from money that he had earned. And I'll tell you what he did in our upcoming podcast on November 20th, where we're going to be talking about how to raise creative and entrepreneurial kids. Incidentally, if you've got a note, for me, a story about that. Thanks for all those that are coming in. Just send those to kids at 48days.com. And again, Joanna and I are going to be doing a special themed podcast for that November 20th episode. If, if you're just, you know, we've got some new videos up. If you're just kind of getting started in this game and trying to figure out what your direction is, we get a lot of questions from people who are just saying, I'm just not sure about, you know, the directions I need to, to be taken here. Just go to 48days.com slash video. Start there. We've got a new kind of landing page there with three videos that'll start to help you 
get some clarification for what direction you want to go in. Well, we got some great success stories today. Got a whole bunch of things that I want to share with you. Before I do that, let me just remind you again about Harry's.com. That's where I get my shaving razors. You should do. We had a great quotation sent in a couple weeks ago that I forwarded on to my friends at Harry's about Benjamin Franklin talking about the benefits of having a clean shave are greater than the benefits of having money in your pocket. You know, when you think about that, you know, how do you feel? When you're clean shaven, clean showered, ready to go for the day. I know what it does for me. You know, it kind of amazes me. The people I see that what the guys that I see walking around who are not clean shaven. And I don't mean people who just have a nicely trimmed beard or goatee. I mean, just unshaven. And usually, yeah, I'm going to really generalize. I mean, usually they're dressed sloppily as well. And I think there's a whole mental attitude that goes along with that. Hey, if you want to break that pattern, Golly, get a clean shave to start with. Go to harrys.com. Use 48 days as a code. You're going to get $5 off that inexpensive purchase to start with. If you want to tell them how often you shave and when you need those, you can get an automatic shaving plan program that has those delivered right to your door. Well, success stories. Aaron says, I've always wanted to own a successful residential remodeling company and own my own investment property. I was a high school math teacher for 11 years while building houses in my part time. Then I almost lost my shorts in the economic downturn of 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008. And to be honest, it froze me. I felt so stuck and scared. And since that time, I've had this deep down self-actualizing fear that I couldn't run my own business successfully since I failed or now I believe learned during those times. I've decided that it's time I look myself in the mirror and become who I always wanted to become. I've already committed myself to several things and I'm going to leap into living my dream soon. To be completely honest, there are some sleepless nights and some, what the heck am I doing? Thoughts going through my head, but I'm moving forward. Just last week, I downloaded The Strangest Secret, which Dan has talked about for years and it's completely changed the way I look at life. I can choose which seed I'm going to water in my mind. And I'm choosing the one that is the life I've always wanted and not the fears that keep me down. Go get your dream. Well, thanks, Aaron, for the encouragement to everybody there. That's a discussion over on 48days.net. You can check it out there. Talking about moving ahead. Incidentally, we ought to have a little contest. I'll give away a few copies of The Strangest Secret. It comes in a beautiful little gift book with the audio CD in the back that I listen to frequently. Remind myself that little message, we become what we think about, that started me on this amazing journey that I've been on. Well, this comes from last week we had somebody who wrote in and said, I feel like my job is physically killing me via exhaustion. I'm having unhealthy, terrible thoughts 100% of the time. We'll call him, I think we called him Charles last week. We'll do that again. Well, Charles wrote back in again. He thanked me for addressing his question and, um, my response was, no, you don't have to stay there. Obviously, you are in the driver's seat. You can make some choices to move into something else. But I said, I'm looking forward to this week's podcast. Um, this weekend, I'm scheduled to begin working with a hospice music therapist. Now, this was a guy who said the job was sucking the life out of him. But he did play in a kind of a little musical group on the weekends that he always looked forward to. 
He says, I'm scheduled to begin working with a hospice music therapist who will be coaching me as I work through the process of pitching a music therapy program to our local hospices. With her help and your podcast, books, disc profile, etc., I look forward to sending you a success story once I get a hospice music therapy job that I love and that allows me to really create value for the patients and their families. Thanks for all you do for your audience. Thanks, Charles. Well, thanks for your note. You know, I just thought of as I was reading this, I have a friend from years ago, saw him not too long ago, but he's been a friend for 30 years, I guess. His name is Chuck Beckman. He does exactly what you're talking about. He plays music for people who know they're in their very last days or hours of their life. Chuck Beckman. You can probably find him, B-E-C-K. I'm back, 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 geez, what would the, B-E-C-K-M-A-N? I think so. I think it's just Chuck Beckman. Anyway, great guy, lives down in the Atlanta area. He does that. I'll bet you can find him online. Check out what he's doing in that same space. Well, I wanted to title as kind of as a theme today, having lunch with a millionaire. Talked about that at the opening. In day 47 of the 48 steps that I've got lined out for people, And the new 48 Days to the Work You Love book, day 47 is invite a millionaire to lunch. And I have more people get stuck on that step than any of the others. And believe me, some of the others I think are way more difficult, but people get stuck. They think, well, how could I do that? I don't know any millionaires. If I did, I know one, you know, they aren't going to have time for me. They aren't going to respond to my request to take them to lunch. Well, you'd be surprised how available millionaires are. And I got a great story for you here from my friend, Dr. David Powers, about having lunch with Tim Ferriss just recently. But just yesterday, I was talking to Jemana Ellison, one of our coaches. She just commented that she has had a lunch with seven millionaires in the last nine months. All people, and she's got a new one scheduled. She's going to be in San Diego. She's going to meet with another one of our friends, really cool lady, and I'm delighted they're connected. But she's had a lunch with seven millionaires in the last nine months just because she's asked to do so and found them to be extremely responsive and available. Well, now here's a note from Dr. David Powers. We're still in our success stories here. We've got a bunch of them to go yet. He says, Dan, I I, I thought you'd think this is pretty cool. My 10-year-old son entered a chef contest Tim Ferriss put on and won. Now, he wrote this some time ago, and I think I shared it then. It was only for people 18 years and older, but I told him to enter it anyway, that if he did good work, Tim would recognize it. Guess what? He won. And then he said, then we'll be flying out to Seattle this summer to have dinner with Tim and the staff at Chef Steps. Now, he says, sometimes it's all about breaking the rules. Well, it is indeed. So David Power's son entered a contest that was only open to people 18 years years old and older. He's only 10. Tim recognized it anyway. He won the contest. So here's the deal. Here's the update. Now, this came in just a few days ago. And, of course, this is October 14th as I'm recording this. David says, I had dinner with Tim Ferriss last week. You know the whole thing's about parents living vicariously through their kids. It was due to this, that them that this magical thing happened. And then again, he restates his oldest son won the contest. And he says, he's, David says, he's been a huge fan of Tim Ferriss for about a decade since he first read the four hour work week. So you probably recognize Tim's name from that. 
I'm almost as much a Ferris groupie as I am a Miller family groupie. I have other big heroes in the world of self-improvement, business and entrepreneurship like you, your son, Kevin, Seth Godin, Malcolm Gladwell. But Ferris is different. It's his spirit of self-experimentation that really grabs me. Now he goes through and talks about what a gentleman Seth was and the whole deal. Um, he says, with all this fanboy crush built up over the years, I was pretty nervous about meeting him. Wasn't like I was going to squeal, pass out, or throw my panties on stage or anything. It's just that I wanted him to be really cool. I've met some celebs who are really not cool in person. I've also met some who are way cooler in person than thought possible. There was Scott Harrison of Charity Water who filmed a quick video for my son. Then there's Seth Godin, who I haven't actually met yet, but he commented on my son's blog and always returns emails. Well, let me tell you, Tim was very awesome at the dinner, like a perfectly normal guy who's done some pretty amazing things and is still really down to earth. Tim actually sat beside my eight-year-old son, Benaya, at dinner and helped us watch the little guy to make sure he ate his veggies and tried at least a little bit from each course. Benaya is my quiet kid, but Tim talked him up quite a bit during the meal. Beyond that, he was also very open about his projects, past and present, answered anything we threw at him. I do have to say there was one thing in particular that impressed me about Tim the most. Now listen to this. This is an interesting observation of somebody who's been extremely successful and has a whole lot of people pulling at him in a multiple, multiple directions every day. He says, to my knowledge, during dinner, we only mentioned our baby girl, Astrid, by name one time as she wasn't there with us. Near the end of our conversations and preparing to leave, Tim asked about her by name. I have family members that can't even remember her name. And here this famous guy is doing it. To wrap up, let me state unequivocally that Tim Ferriss is a stand-up guy in person, as well as in his writings and speaking and such, so on and so forth. Anyway, what a cool story. His 10-year-old son entered a contest, a little video contest about a cooking routine, won the contest that wasn't open to anybody under 18. They got to go out west Seattle and actually had dinner with Tim Ferriss. Very cool story. Hey, thanks for sharing that, David. Well, you know, and again, if if you want to have lunch with a millionaire, do something creative, do something extraordinary, do something to get their attention and just ask them. I've got lots of stories about creative things people have done to get my attention. Just a little old farm kid out here in the middle of a pasture in Franklin, Tennessee. But uh, some really interesting things, like my friend Chad Jeffers, who had a child's guitar delivered to me via FedEx. And he is a famous guitarist, lead guitarist with Carrie Underwood. And uh, the note on the guitar said, hey, I'm her, sure you've heard a lot of songs, but you haven't heard mine. Well, I've got my attention. We've become friends over the years. I just got a note after you just got back off tour with Carrie just a few days ago. Anyway, just uh, figure out something creative to do. Get out there, get in the game. It's not as complicated as you may think. Well, let me go on. Now, this comes from Greg Murphy. I had the pleasure just a couple weeks ago of having lunch with Greg Murphy, who asked if he had lunch with me as I was a speaker at a conference that he was attending, the CES conference up in Louisville. I was the opening speaker there, and he asked if he could have lunch. I said, sure. So there were about five of us that went to lunch. Greg is a young guy who, here's what he says. The very last job I had was washing windows, and I quit to focus on my business because of you. At the time, 
it was the lure of a sure thing and the lack of confidence was holding me back. And now the sky's the limit. So here's the deal. He was washing windows. He quit his job. And what he does is sell used books. Now he doesn't just sell a few little books that he puts up on eBay or Amazon. He buys shipments of books. They go through 15 ton of books every day. He gets those in what are called Gaylord pallets. And I said, where are you getting all those books? Well, he gets them like from Salvation Army, Goodwill, places like that. You know, people donate books as just kind of a, a good gesture, but they can't keep up with selling all the books that are donated. So he buys those, not by title, not by the book, by the pound. Buys them by the pound, 15 ton a day they take in. He has people who are trained. He's got an assembly line process. He showed me on his iPhone real-time photos of inside his processing plant as we were eating lunch. They scan and they do salvage about 20% of those books. They scan them and quickly know if they have any value on Amazon. They put those back up. So they sell about 20% of those books. The rest of them, they cut off the cover and binding and they sell the paper back as recycled paper. So Greg says, we'll do over $2 million in used book sales this year. And we sort through over 250 tons of salvaged books. It's a very unique business. And it's spun off into coaching and teaching other people to sell books online as well. I'd love to talk with you more about it if you're interested and perhaps send you some links to look at some upcoming projects. Well, I already responded to Greg. I certainly do want to talk to him more about that. Love that kind of a unique business idea. And you can see what he's doing if you just go to 7 figurebooksales.com all written out the word seven figurebooksales.com you can see my my new friend greg murphy there and what he's doing well a couple other things let's see here uh tony and elisa are doing a workshop on core values workshop you can check that out at go to one extraordinary marriage.com and you'll see promotion about their core values workshop coming up. I highly recommend it. It's a process to see if you're on the same page as a married couple so you can be successful in whatever you're doing. Hey, last week I talked about Kent Sanders' new book, The Artist's Suitcase, a wonderful, delightful book that Joanne and I both have enjoyed. And he has put up 48 Ways to Unlock Your Creativity. Now check this out. I'll put this in the show notes, but check out. If you go to Kent sanders.net slash 48 days you'll get his 48 ways to unlock your creativity what a cool thing to share with us ken thank you for doing that um again just go to kent sanders.net slash 48 days 48 ways to unlock your creativity now austin reed has a note up send me a note he says, I listen to your podcast. I read 48 days between those influences and some other factors. I've decided to stop working for one employer and start working for myself. I have a few clients that help pay the bills, but I'm truly passionate about designing and making quality mechanical products. I'm a mechanical engineer. My first product is a catapult game with a capitalism theme. And here's the title of this. And I'm going to tell you how you can look this up because it is super, super cool. It's titled American Catapultism. I got to slow down to say that because it's a combination of catapult and capitalism. American Catapultism. And you can look that up on Kickstarter because he just put it up as a Kickstarter project. 
You know, we've been talking the last few weeks about a Kickstarter project that uh, the guy wanted, um, Andrew Miller wanted $2,000 and he got over $30,000. So Austin has just put this up, American Catapultism, just like it would sound on the game of corporate rivalry. Catapultism is spelled C-A-T-A-P-U-L-I-S-M. Now, here's the deal. He builds a little catapult and you can shoot it at people who represent your coworkers and boss if you want to. So you stack the box up, shoot a little rolled up dollar bill roll as your catapult and shoot it and knock them down. If you watch a video, you're going to be, you're going to be engaged. You're going to be hooked. So go there, check it out, go to Kickstarter and check out American catapultism and be a participant in what Austin is doing. Austin, just as a note, the only thing that gave me a little pause in the way you have it structured and you ask for my input is the fact that you say it requires sanding and assembly with wood glue. That would be enough for me to probably just pass and go on. I think that's probably a small step that you guys can do yourselves to send out a completed package, completed product. I think that's a major, major difference instead of implying that, hey, they're going to have to work to put this thing together. That, that's going to be a stopper for you. You need to work on that. Check that out. See if you can't maybe change that feature. But I love the project that you're doing. Love it, love it, love it. Well, you're here coming up here. I'm going to end there. Golly, we are almost half through the podcast today with success stories. Got a whole lot more that I would have loved to have crammed in there. But wanted to share at least those to encourage you, inspire you, give you ideas about things that people are actually doing. Normal people like you and me. They've just taken intentional, specific action, and now they have success stories to share. Well, if you got a success story, I'd love to hear it. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on Ask Dan, and you'll see the little red starburst pop up there where you can share your story. Or as you know, just send that in to askdan at 48days.com. Well, let's go on to the questions. This comes from... Janae, who says, I was fired from my job a year ago, so I decided to turn my part-time income of teaching yoga into a full-time adventure. I started a company teaching corporate yoga. My job now consists of teaching yoga sessions at different corporations, apartment complexes, special events. Within one year, I've grown to a point where I've had to get additional help, which brings me to my question. How can I turn this seemingly linear source of income into residual income? I'm limited to the number of classes I can teach on a daily basis. And I don't mind a few people working for me, but I don't want to manage 20 people. Well, okay, here's the deal. Is there something else I can do to reach my seven-figure income goals that don't involve cloning myself? Well, Janae, I love your, love your question. And if your website was a little easier, I could pass it on. It's actually yogah4ya.com. The number four, yoga h yogah4ya.com. Anyway, be delighted to have other people go there and check it out. Now, how do you take something like an interest in yoga and an ability to teach classes and leverage it? Well, that's where we go right back to my Venn diagram, the same model that I've used with hundreds of authors, artists, musicians, and other people with creative skills over the years. Leverage your intellectual expertise. You can't clone yourself. You can't turn the 40 hours a week that you have for doing classes into 
you know, you, but you can't do that 168 hours a week, obviously. You got to have time to sleep and do other things. You don't want to just expand. You got to get out of the mindset that the only way to increase your income is to increase your time. How can you take your influence, your ability, your expertise in yoga and leverage that? Well, that comes from you may do a live event where you're teaching other people how to teach yoga. So instead of just a $20 class they're participating in, now it's a $700 class that you're teaching 20 people how to become yoga teachers. That would be an example. You can speak at conferences about the benefits of yoga and be paid for speaking. You can write about that. You can do an ebook about the benefits of yoga. You can do a more extensive book. You can do an instructional manual about the benefits of yoga and how to create your own personalized yoga routine. I mean, you can do product sales, the things you could do in having, you know, DVDs, audio programs. I mean, those kind of things are endless, but that's what you've got to do is leverage your expertise, not just leverage your time because, you know, that's not scalable. You can't just keep going with that. Great question. Ariel says, I've heard on the podcast about looking for 30 or 40 companies you'd like to work with. In my case, one of my biggest dreams and goals is to move to New York City. I'm 32 years old. I work in public accounting as an auditor here in Naples, Florida. I want to move next year. So my question is, should I be looking for the 30 big companies I'd love to work for in New York City and start the follow-up process, even though I'm now in Florida? If a job in Miami, which is closer city to Naples, presents itself, should I use it as a stepping stone? Well, you don't, you don't have to use it as a stepping stone. Believe me, you, you don't have to have anything as a stepping stone to go directly to what it is you're describing. If you want to get a job and you're now a public accounting auditor and you want to move to New York City, no problem at all identifying companies there that you'd want to work for. Now, don't exactly just get the 30 biggest companies. A good job search has a variety of size and kind of companies in it. Recognize if you get the 30 big accounting companies in New York City, they're going to get 300 applications every week. But if you span that out and you identify some companies that may have 15 or 20 employees there, they're probably not going to get any applications this week. So make sure you vary in your job search so you have a variety of companies that would be potential prospects for a match that would be easier to get into than go through the job search process in 48 days, send that introduction letter, then the cover letter and resume, then the phone follow-up. And it doesn't matter if you want to move to Miami, New York city, Houston, or Seattle, you can do that. Geography is not a real big factor at all. Robert says, Dan, I have a daughter who's a senior in high school She's having a hard time deciding on a major or a course of study for college. She's very smart and would be capable of anything. We just don't know what that anything is. Please help. Robert, here's what I would do if I had a daughter who was in high school who didn't know what she wanted to major in. I'd say let's get a variety of experiences to help you clarify what you would be a candidate for. You can shadow people in different industries. I mean, take six different industries and shadow people for a week. That's valuable, valuable experience. I mean, if she gets a job, I work in a Chick-fil-A. I mean, they've got a wonderful training program and access to all kinds of resources. Having that experience would help in the clarification process. I would not go to college 
that's a very expensive way to just try to sort through things and figure things out. I take a year or two years in between high school and college, travel, get a variety of experiences, have some minimum wage jobs. All those things are great ways to clarify what it would then make sense to go back to college for. I mean, we would get way too many kids that are coming out of college who got out of high school, just like your daughter had no idea what they wanted to do. So they just went to college. It's a perfectly acceptable thing, place to hang out. So they hung out, you know, went to fraternity parties and ball games, had a great time. And now four years have passed. They still don't have a clue what they want to do and don't have any marketable skills, but now are deeply in debt. That's not a desirable place to be. Take some time at the front end, get some experiences. It doesn't matter if she goes to college 10 years from now. I mean, when my, my own son, Kevin, and many of you have heard me tell this before, I'm sure, but when he was 17, not quite officially graduated from high school yet, we allowed him to move to Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, where he started training with the U S Olympic bicycle racing team. Well, he went on from there to live in the Netherlands. He raced on the Dutch national team for two years, traveled extensively in Europe, came back here and then traveled and continued racing professionally. And people would ask me, you know, golly, Dan, aren't you concerned that Kevin is not in college? And I always said, well, you know, he can choose to go to college at any point that he decides to but right now. He's too busy getting an education. And I really believe that. Do I think that it's more valuable to travel around the world meet people in other cultures, other faiths, you know, all kinds of other experiences like that. Do I think that's more valuable than sitting in a classroom in our own local hometown, reading a book and regurgitating what's in the book? Well, yeah, I do. I mean, I wanted him to have that kind of experience to broaden his education, not just force himself into a model where he would just sit in a classroom and repeat that. Does that have a value? Sure. If he decides exactly what it is he wants to do as your daughter may then go to school to get those those specific schools, if in fact they are applicable. Michelle says, and I've only just discovered you via Audible, Dave and Dave Ramsey. I'm listening to Dream Job, 48 Days to the Work You Love. At one point, you mentioned about owning a health and fitness center, which didn't match your values as you don't get results fast enough that way. And then you returned to the point you were making. I don't know if you meant the financial results of owning a gym or the physical results. Either way, I'm curious enough to ask. Well, let me explain what I'm talking about there. Yeah, that, I, I don't like the results on either end of owning that fitness center. It turned out to be a, a very, very expensive financial move for me. And I ended up spending years trying to repay the debt I accumulated as a result of that experience. But I also don't like the process physically. And what I mean by that is if I get out of bed in the morning, I can be, you know, on my treadmill or doing yoga or aerobics or out on a jog. I I can be doing that in five minutes. If I go to a health and fitness center, I got to get in the car, you know, take my bag with me, go there, probably change clothes get out there, wait on the machines because somebody else is using them, you know, waste time talking to people, hanging around a water fountain. And all of a sudden, you know, I've blown three hours. I don't like that process. Don't like it at all. I like to jump out of bed, decide what it is I'm going to do in that physical area and just do it, accomplish it very, very quickly. So that is what I do. Yeah, that's why I don't have the patience to go to a health and fitness center. Yeah, interesting question. Thanks for running it up the flagpole again. 
Now, this comes from Vitalis. Vitalis says, thanks for your powerful help through your services. This week, you mentioned the name of a gentleman who has a Ph.D. in education, and he's working in building a workbook for the new 48 Days to the Work You Love seminar. I couldn't find his blog. Would you please remind me how to get in touch with him? Sure. Hey, no problem at all. Uh, that person's name is Dr. Terry Hathaway. I mean, he's the one that's working within that, has done an amazing process of creating the workbook and all kinds of ancillary material to go along with that to help facilitators. But again, it's Dr. Terry Hathaway. You can go to his blog at mythinkingbox.com or you can go directly to his site at terryhathaway.com. That's H-A-D-A-W-A-Y. Hey, thanks for asking. I'm always delighted to pass on resources here. I, I say that I'm always delighted. Sometimes I'm hesitant to share people because we keep them so busy. I want to keep them for ourselves. Our, our massage therapist is totally booked. We have sent her so many new people that she is totally booked every week. She has no capacity to take on any more clients at all. But we love for people that we are, that we benefit from being engaged with to, to be successful. We want those people to be successful. Yeah, and Dr. Terry Hathaway is certainly a, a class act in creating online courses as he's helping me do just that. Well, just a quick reminder there as I catch a breath. You're listening to the 48 Days Podcast. You're listening to real-life questions from real-life people just like you and me. And if you've got a question, we're happy to entertain that in an upcoming podcast. Just go to the 48days.com site. Click on Ask Dan, and you'll see there an opportunity to do that. You can also shoot an email directly to me at askdan at 48days.com, or you can go anywhere on the 48days.com site, and you'll see a little microphone hiding over there on the right-hand side. You can just click on that, and with the benefits of modern technology, just start talking, and you can just shoot that to me. It'll come directly to me as a voice email as well. Now, this comes from Alice. And Alice says, I have a job working with teens. I facilitate groups to teach a curriculum and meet with students individually to set goals through the school districts. I'd like to start a side business as a teen coach, but I need to know how to get started. Do I need to be certified? Is there a market? Any advice would be great. Well, we work with a lot of coaches here at 48 Days, and there is a market for pretty much any kind of application you want to have in coaching. I mean, there are dream team coaches and creativity coaches and writing coaches and speaking coaches, career coaches, life coaches, gardening coaches. You know, you, we go on and on and on. Yes, there is a market for team coaching. However, what you need to do, and no, you don't need to be certified. Now, again, I don't, don't just, I'm not dismissing the idea of being certified. I mean, we have a certification program and those people move through a process where they are firmly established as very profitable coaches in whatever area they've chosen to address it. But you don't need to be certified to start. If people are already coming to you asking for your advice and opinion, sure, start coaching them. You become better, more experienced by doing it and by learning and becoming trained as you go. Make a realistic business plan what it is you want to do. If you want to be a teen coach, your real customers are parents. Teens are not going to fork out their credit cards or their little savings account to pay for coaching. 
That's pretty much a given. So the real customers you have are parents. So be realistic about the sales process you would have to engage with teens. What are the areas you would be coaching them on? Is it going to be about making good decisions, about choosing a career path, about having good self-confidence, about personal etiquette and poise, you know, speaking skills. I mean, decide what it is you're going to do as a teen coach. Be clear about that, but then create a marketing plan. How are you going to let people know about it is what it is that you do and how are you going to engage in that sales process with the parents who are likely to be the ones writing a check? Incidentally, for any of you listening, um, Alice, you and anybody else, if you want to get a few tips about how to get that first coaching client, I've got j- just go to 48days.com slash coach, and that'll take you right to a PDF that I've got on 10 tips for getting your first paid coaching clients. This comes from John. Now, this is this is a compassionate question, and I'd love to hear from any of you on this. John says, Dan, I'm wondering if you can help. I have a single mom friend who's having problems breaking free. Three years ago, she was a stay-at-home mom until her husband was convicted of sexual assault on his own daughter, after which he's in prison, and she's trying to find out ways to support five kids ages five through teenagers. She's wandering around thinking she's on track, but she's blindly feeling the walls for hope. I've tried to nudge her a few ways, but I don't have the coaching ex- experience to help. I don't know her skills, but I feel she's ready and willing to succeed. Is there a chance you have a coach who can take this on pro bono? I'm not in a position to cover the cost, and I know she isn't. They're being kicked out of their fourth house in three years. I truly believe she has that in her to rock the world around her, but I don't know how or where to direct her. Thanks for your time. If you know of someone that can help her, please contact me. Now that comes from a friend, John. And I'd, I'd love to hear from any of you. We've had this happen many, many times before where one of you who is listening said, I'll take that on. I'd love to help her. You know, if you're that person, boy, be the first to let me know at Asked and I'll pass these on to John, her friend. He can coordinate it. I've already put this out to in our coaching mastery group. I'll probably have somebody in there who volunteers to do it. I know people are so generous in situations like this. And we encourage that. I mean, I don't encourage people to do 100% pro bono, but certainly, I mean, I, I certainly still do pro bono coaching, do a lot of it. I mean, it's a good mix for any of us who are successful as coaches to still reach out to people who aren't in a position to pay us for that. Now, that being said, John, I don't know where you live. I already sent you a note so that we can clarify that and get you some specific help there where you live and where this lady lives. But here in Nashville, we have tremendous resources available for somebody like this, where there's, you don't have to write a big check for coaching. We have the Brentwood United Methodist Church Career Transition Program. I mean, it's a commendable program, been going on for like 30 years now, meets every Monday night. People rotate through, connect with others who can really help them get on track. And I'm sure there are programs like that where you live. Any area has programs through local churches, career transition programs. Here we have the Nashville Career Advancement Center. Wonderful, wonderful state-funded program. You can go there, get help with resumes, job search, connections, networking, and all that. We have the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center. If she's more entrepreneurial and wants to do something on her own, which really I'm fairly confident is going to be her best option. I mean, a single mom with five small children, 
starting age five up through teenagers, it's really tough to make a traditional job work. It doesn't matter if you're making $20 an hour. It's hard to make that work. Her best option is going to be something she can do on her own and hopefully have some of her older children help her with. So an Amazon business, you know, something she's doing online or some kind of a service that she can come up with is probably going to be a much better option. So we have organizations here like Small Business Development Center, SCORE. That's the Service Corps of Retired Executives. I mean, people who are experienced in business who are willing to sit down on no charge, help you map out a plan and get it in action. We have the Entrepreneur Center. I mean, we have a kicking Entrepreneur Center. The facility itself is just first class here in Nashville. I mean, it's a real thriving center where people come through and get help on starting ideas. So we have a lot of resources. I trust that you do as well where you live. Again, if you give me, let me know where you are, I'll help you source that out. And again, if any of you want to take this on as a project to help this person connect with resources and walk through the process and have a success story to tell us about 30 days from now, that would be awesome. It would be stellar. It'd be another that would just be another commendable thing, like so many things that happen in the 48 Days Connections. All right, Brian says, I bought my copy of 48 Days back in 2003, 2004, at the time given my 40-hour week and my desire for security and my upbringing, I really didn't get it. Over the years, I have to the point where my wife and I decided the life we wanted for our family was not coming through someone else. So last year, we bought a service industry franchise through a very values-based parent company, but I've been scared that I've made the wrong decision ever since. Some is just my own fear of an endeavor like this, but some has been from a lack of hearing anything about franchise opportunity being a good idea from folks like you. you have any advice for people that aren't creatives that use something like franchises to get to the life they want? Thank you for what you do. You have an incredible servant's heart. Well, thanks for your note, Brian. I appreciate that. A franchise is a great model for people who don't feel particularly creative. I mean, what that is, it provides a clear model with proven practices for marketing, hiring, accounting, running the business. So you get something, you know, if it's a, if it's a dry cleaning franchise or carpet cleaning, or if it's a, a Wendy's or a subway, I mean, we can go on and on. There are thousands of franchises, but it's set up for exactly what you describe yourself, not real creative and not wanting to just jump into the lake with no net It's a proven model. Uh, The franchise mantra is for people who want to be in business by themselves, but not in business for themselves, but not by themselves. That's what it is. Yeah. So that's, that's what it is. Now here's the deal. Here's the other half of my question or my answer, Brian. Don't second guess yourself. If you've already made the commitment, which you say that you have, don't be scared. Don't be second guessing yourself. Just go full steam ahead. Expect success. Draw from the franchisor, the people who set you up in this. Talk to other franchisees who are doing it, you know, with any kind of concerns that you have. But I mean, be full speed ahead. Don't allow yourself to be looking over your shoulder wondering, did I make the right decision? If you were already in, just go full steam ahead for a year. Don't allow yourself to second guess anything Put in a full year, then look back and evaluate, okay, now what can we do to improve? And if you feel like it's not a good fit, hey, what can we do to sell it? Move on to another idea. That's okay too. Nothing is forever, but if you can have a good three to five year run, that's what we all expect in starting a new venture. This comes from Alex in Israel. 
Miss said, I love your podcast and how it helped me with several decisions in my life. Number one, I changed my job. Number two, I built a life plan. Three, I'm working on my priorities and goals. Four, I started a blog, video blog, helping people get more organized, effective, productive by using technology and electronics. My question is, I live in Israel and I was wondering if I should do it in English or do it in my local language. English will have more international reach, but I live in Israel and the local language is Hebrew. What are your thoughts on this? Well, identify who your target audience is. If your target audience is going to be a niche group, a niche culture where they speak Hebrew, then by all means do that. I mean, there's plenty of opportunity in that audience. That's a large audience that has an international reach as well, because there are plenty of people in America who speak Hebrew and in other parts of the world. So that's not a small market by any means. I would encourage you to do what you're most comfortable with, not just trying to define you know, what has the most reach. And incidentally, if you have an accent, if you have an accent that makes your English sound like you aren't Native American, then I would encourage you not to do it in English. If English is your second language, I would encourage you to stick with Hebrew and do it in that. Don't know enough about your situation to be real clear, but yeah, go with what's most comfortable. There's plenty of audience for what you describe it to have a video blog, you know, in those areas of being more organized, more efficient, plenty big enough audience. Just do what's most fun and most comfortable for you. Let me grab a couple more here. You mentioned Dayton Brown concerning furniture. Dayton Brown has been to our events here, lives here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, not too far from where I am. He refinished Aristotle, the beautiful eagle that's carved out of a cedar tree. I mean, his work is just unbelievable. And somebody says, man, I've heard you talk about him. I couldn't find him. Well, here's the deal. Go to DaytonWoodDesign.com. DaytonWoodDesign.com. You'll find Dayton, and you'll see those amazing examples of his wood design right there. You know, I've got, I've got to stop there. Golly, i got a couple more here that I'd love to get to, but we're going to save those for next week. So with that, think about the idea of having lunch with a millionaire. Do that. Ask somebody. Ask somebody, and then let me know what your process was. Let me know what your success was. Let me know that it wasn't as difficult as what you thought it was going to be. Hey, I know, you know, some of you may be intimidated by that. You don't need to be. I, you know, Franklin, Tennessee is a wonderful place. A lot of you are familiar with it. There's a whole lot of people here who are very influential, very, very successful. I mean, I could go down a list. I'm not going to do that, but I could go down a list and make a list of 15 or 20 people real quickly, you know, who are very successful millionaires, who are very accessible. I mean, people that hang out at the local restaurants, and you can meet them walking down the street, down a sidewalk. Don't be intimidated by that. Get in the game. If you want to learn from people who are very successful, find time to spend with them. Find ways to spend time with them. I mean, one of the key characteristics of people who are extremely successful is that they're spending time with people who are already performing at a level at which they want to perform. Make sure you're doing that. We talk about the old Jim Rohn adage, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Be careful who you're hanging out with. Make sure you're on the path to the success that you want to have. 
It's been great hanging out with you today. As always, thanks for being part of this amazing community where we're sharing ideas together, sharing life together, sharing the things that can make us more successful. That doesn't always just mean having more money, but really true success, richer, deeper relationships, better health, all those things that define success as we want it to be known around here. So thanks for being part of this community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. It's gonna take all you've got.